If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning and welcome on this first Sunday of Lent to Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Will you bow your heads with me? There's an argument to be made, Holy One, that Jesus' 40 days in the desert was easier than our 40 days of reflection and repentance. I mean, we don't disagree that being in the wilderness would have been terrible. Most of us don't even like glamping. But still, Jesus was off the grid, unplugged, unreachable, don't tell our coworkers, but that sounds amazing. It would certainly lower our acute stress level. And when Matthew and Luke say that Jesus was tested three times, we want to ask, just three? We were tried twice that many times before breakfast. Have you met our four-year-old? Jesus said, let the children come unto me, and we are ready to let him take a turn. We know it isn't a competition, Holy One, so maybe, maybe this is about us wanting to lower your expectations, or perhaps it's that we want to lower our own. Help us to trust what the psalmist said to be true. You lead me down paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Even if it's two steps forward and one step back, Holy One, keep our heads lifted and our spirits moving. May our hearts recognize the angels that will attend us, and may we be wise enough to accept their help. We pray in the name of Jesus, who showed us how. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 5, verses 1-11. through 11. Once, while Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, 
Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. This Lent, we are focusing on the life and faith of one of Jesus' most famous disciples, Peter, also known to us as Simon Peter, or as we might remember him from last week, the disciple who had a mother-in-law. It's, it's still Simon in today's text, but now we're just all on the same page that Simon is Simon Peter, is Peter, is Simon. We all know who we're talking about. We read the story of Peter's mother-in-law out of the Gospel of Mark last Sunday, and the sequence of events is a bit different than the way Luke tells it. In Mark, Jesus first calls the disciples, including Peter, and then he goes to Peter's house and has an unexpected opportunity to heal the mother-in-law. But in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus appears at Peter's house before calling him to be a disciple. Luke tells it almost the same as Mark. Jesus heals the mother-in-law, and immediately she got up and began to serve them. As the sun was setting, the text says, all those who were sick with various kinds of diseases were brought to him, and he laid hands on them and cured them. And then Jesus went into quarantine. I knew you were going to catch up. <laughs> I'm sort of kidding about the quarantine part. The text tells us that after he had finished caring for such a large crowd, quote, he departed and went into a deserted place. It sounds like quarantine, but I also recognize a fellow introvert when I see one, and going into a deserted place sounds like good self-care after so much peopling. After that, we are told the crowds seek him out, and he teaches in the synagogues across Judea. The text then moves us into the story that we read today, traditionally titled, Jesus Calls the First Disciples. Jesus was standing on the shoreline at this point, teaching the crowd that was pressing in on him, and apparently the acoustics weren't great. So Jesus notices a couple of boats and fishermen nearby and asked if he could use the boats as a floating pulpit, and Peter obliges. And note at this point that Jesus still has not asked the fishermen to join him in his work and mission. These fishermen, including Peter, were not part of the crowd that had gathered to hear Jesus teach and preach. They were, however, 
overhearing what Jesus was saying. The power of overhearing is often underestimated. Preacher Fred Craddock noted that we have been conditioned for decades to regard confrontation and direct address as the only communicative styles with honesty, integrity, and effectiveness. But the importance of overhearing, particularly in church, should not be overlooked. This is one of the most important reasons why our children are in the sanctuary for nearly the entirety of worship. It gives them a chance to lean against adults' shoulders and hear words, observe motions, and sense emotions that create awe and wonder about something, someone bigger than themselves, bigger even than the adults. It allows them to know that the adults We say our prayers, and there is nothing too big or too small to bring to God, and that this is a place we find challenge and comfort. Overhearing is just as important for adults. Take the so-called children's sermon, which many adults say they actually prefer to the main sermon. And of course, such talk is usually sprinkled with half jests about being able to understand it or it's being on my level. There may be some truth there, but there is no doubt that a major factor beneficial to good communication is that the adults are listening to what is not addressed to them. As Craddock explains, the distance of overhearing creates the general feeling of, this is for someone else, which has the effect of dropping defenses, removing the threat that closes eyes and ears, sets you free, and then permits the word to come to you. It seems to me that this is what happened in our story. The fisherman, Simon Peter included, overheard the gospel while they were washing their nets, and it made a difference. They were at least willing to listen to Jesus when he speaks directly to them, saying, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. This sounds like no big deal, unless you know anything about fishing. If you are serious about fishing, you know that It's a night job. We learn from the text that the boys in the boat had had a spectacularly unsuccessful night shift. We get that detail from Peter, who responds to Jesus' unsolicited advice by saying, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. But to Peter's credit, he does what Jesus suggests, He goes out into deep water and lets down the nets for a catch. And as we heard, the results were overwhelming, both physically and spiritually for Peter, as he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, Lord, for am I a spiritual man? I'm a sinful man. And this is Peter's way of acknowledging that he has had a spiritual experience. He was, like his co-workers, Amazed, but not just amazed. 
Apparently, Peter was also scared. And this is why Jesus said to him, do not be afraid. And had Peter felt confident and comfortable, Jesus wouldn't have needed to say that. That is something we only say when someone is afraid. Do not be afraid. There are quite a few reasons why Peter might have been afraid. Everything from practical concerns, like repercussions from the Roman government for such an abundant catch, like higher taxes and fines for his business, along with spiritual ones. Dr. Terence Lester notes that as a Galilean fisherman who likely lived in scarcity, such abundance might have been jarring to Peter, disconcerting. He was never in this position. What is one supposed to do with such a catch? What are the implications? Will it last? What comes next? Peter knew that this was not just about fishing. This was an invitation to put his entire life into deep waters. This is likely what Peter overheard when he was washing his nets, and this is why he was afraid. Peter understood that this was a significant moment, a turning point. He had a choice to make about how he would move forward. Peter had the option of doing what he had always done, staying in his lane, or he could put out into deep water, drop everything, and follow Jesus. What a story for the church today. To decide to put out into deep water is risky. It is an invitation to step out of our comfort zone, to relinquish our death grip on doing things how we've always done them. It is to claw our way out of the rut of tired ways of thinking. It means losing sight of the shoreline of safety and security. It is to risk being caught in a storm and blown about by high winds. There is a temptation in this particular moment, I think, for the church to keep its head down. We have been through some things in the last few years. I spoke about this in my report at the annual meeting last November. In just over 36 months, this congregation survived a leadership change after 35 years, while at the same time navigating a global pandemic that changed everything. And just when we should have been celebrating those two remarkable feats of endurance, the great flood of Christmas Eve 2022 <laughs> threw thousands and thousands of gallons of cold water all over us. Much of 2023, then, was spent recovering from that opportunity for character development. And as I said at our annual meeting, it would be absolutely reasonable for us to say that we are not currently accepting opportunities for character development. <laughs> we would just like to, to experience some smooth sailing for a while. As Peter said, we have worked all night long. Let's not do anything that will rock the boat. 
except Jesus' instructions linger in the air even after all this time, put out into deep water. Put out into deep water. If you read the letter I sent out to active and inactive members a little over a week ago, you already know that our church council has formed a subcommittee to create a process for our congregation so that we might engage the question around the name Mayflower. What's in a name? When it comes to Mayflower, some think it's simply the name of the ship that brought over people seeking religious freedom. But it's not just that. As my colleague, Reverend Sarah Campbell, pastor of Mayflower United Church of Christ in Minneapolis, a congregation that has already started this conversation, noted, the pilgrims were remarkable in how they were fleeing church state and seeking freedom of religion. But we have to reckon with the reality that 90% of indigenous people were wiped out from disease, land grabbing, and near genocide that is also part of their story. The church council intends to present a process to this congregation at this year's annual meeting in November that we might start that process in 2025, a process that will facilitate active listening, heartfelt storytelling, and intellectually honest conversation. This process, if the congregation approves it, will put us into the deep waters of discernment around our name. There are reasons, practical and otherwise, to not do this. There are big feelings about the name Mayflower. It is both a source of frustration and disappointment, but is also the name of a beloved community where many of us found our footing, where some of us were raised, and the place where freedom of conscience gave us back our faith. We will need to hold each other with tender care, listen to learn, not respond, and honor each other's experiences. To be sure, this will not be easy work. An intentional conversation about this church's name will absolutely take us into the kind of deep waters that come with very high winds and really big waves. But there is also the possibility that if we do this, how did the text put it? They caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. Put out into deep water, Jesus said. There are there are plenty of other situations, communal and personal, to which this invitation to put out into deep water can be applied. And there are plenty of reasons to stay close to the shoreline. But what if that deep water is where we'll find all of the things we don't think are available to us? On this first Sunday of Lent, let us ask ourselves, where is the chance to leave the shoreline? Put out into deep water, Jesus said. Church, it's time to get rowing.
You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.